do your due diligence, you know, check the background, check if there's lawsuits that they're involved with, check their credit. Also check if any, there's any debts that they have, like make sure to do that. I see so many times people get so excited. They need someone. I, myself, I'm only saying these things because I've been royally fucked so many times and lost money with partners. Not the ones that I'm working with currently, but you know, I was wowed by someone's resume. I was wowed by, you know, how senior they were with many things. This is not a place for someone to come in and supervise, right? Like we're in, I'd say toddler, you know, our industry is a toddler. 100%. You need to have active aunties and uncles who are trying to, you know, help that toddler, grow that toddler, make sure the toddler doesn't kill itself. You know, you need these guardrails in place. It is not a teenager where you can let them, you know, take the car out yet. It's not a teenager where you can trust them to be at home. Like you cannot have inactive people partnering with you to sit there. Because this is a roll up your sleeves, get things done, ups and downs, roller coaster ride. And if anyone is telling you anything else, they're blowing smoke up your ass. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello and welcome back to the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. Y'all, there's so much going on, so I'm just going to ramble through things before we kick off our guest interview today. Also, boo, (laughs) I guess it's Halloween or something. So while there is nothing scary about today's episode or... Well, maybe some surprises that might spook you. It is another day in cannabis paradise, if you ask me. I, while I love Halloween, I love being spooked and scared and watching scary movies. I don't really get into dressing up, so I'm probably just going to watch some movies tonight, TBD, if we pass out candy. But for those of you who have children or who are participating, I hope you have fun and enjoy the last day of October. With that said, things have been full steam ahead. Not only are we about to be in the thick of things between professional events and the holidays, but I have recently taken it upon myself to create even more content. And specifically, we relaunched the Restart CBD YouTube channel, and we also decided to repurpose that content on WeedTube. But really, I'm highlighting this because I think video content is so powerful, and I'm always on the fence about what platforms to be on but video, video content has so many purposes and applications, whether it's putting it on these channels like YouTube or WeTube, it's putting it on your own website, it's repurposing it for social media. It's just something that we have found a lot of success with. And so I'm honestly enjoying finding my groove and cranking out these videos. We're really focusing on FAQ, so frequently asked questions by our customers, product unboxing, new product highlights and launches, how-to videos, etc. And I'm mentioning all of this to invite you to check out our channel, which can be found at youtube.com slash restartcbd, as well as hope to inspire you to think of how you're creating content now and how you might want to be creating content in the future. Again, I feel like content is a topic and thread that keeps 
circulating, not just for me, but for all of us, whether we're the consumers of the content or we're the creators of the content or a combination of both, what, where, and how we put that content out there for consumption is the difference between it resonating or falling flat with our target audience. I could go on and on about content creation and I'm always happy to have strategic conversations pertaining to you and your unique business needs. In fact, I am about to relaunch my website and I will be opening up office hours soon. So if you're interested in one-on-one time with me, please stay tuned. Until then, I wanted to put a few events on your radar where we can connect IRL. The first for my Texas Cannabis Pals. As you may know, I sit on the executive board of the Texas Hemp Coalition, which is our state's leading advocacy group. And we are putting on our inaugural B2B event called the Texas Hemp Summit that will focus on the business side of the Texas hemp industry through educational discussions relating to farming, processing, cannabinoids, fiber, and retail topics concerning Texas hemp operators. That event is going to be taking place November 11th and 12th at Texas A&M and College Station. Tickets are on sale now. You can check out more about the event and get your tickets at texashempcoalition.org slash summit and use code SUMMITSHADA for $25 off. I will be moderating a panel on retail and then I will be a panelist on the marketing panel, but we're going to be covering it all at this event from the cultivation and science conversations to fiber and sustainability. So if you're interested, if you know people who are interested, we'd love to have you at the event. By the way, we are offering students a free ticket with proof of their student ID to help inspire the next generation. So tell your Texas friends, please and thank you and looking forward to seeing y'all there in a couple of weeks. Immediately after that, I will be doing a lightning talk at, okay, I'm so excited about this one, Austin Startup Week, which is taking place on November 14th. The event runs till the 19th, but my event specifically will be taking place at 12.45 p.m. as part of the Women in Tech portion on November 14th. Specifically, I will be speaking on destigmatizing cannabis through tech. And Austin Startup Week is free, free, free. So if you're in Austin or in the surrounding areas or you're somewhere else in Texas and you're curious to come pay attention to what's going on in this Austin conversation, please come join us for a great few days of networking and content. And I just have to say huge thank you to Austin Startup Week. I've actually had the privilege of speaking at San Antonio Startup Week and Dallas Startup Week. They've both had programming that has featured and highlighted cannabis-related topics, but Austin Startup Week has not until now. So this is the first time that I'm actually seeing them introduce cannabis programming. This is actually the first time I'm seeing them introduce cannabis programming, and I'm so fortunate and grateful to be the one tapped in to have the conversation. And I wish I could stay for the rest of Austin Startup Week, but I will be jetting off to Vegas for MJ BizCon, which is November 15th through 18th. And there are a myriad of events going on, but specifically, I will be speaking on a panel all about, can you guess it? content marketing. Clearly, it's one of my favorite subjects, and the panel is called Mastering the Art of Content Marketing, and it's going to be taking place November 17th, so it's a Thursday at 1.30 p.m. So if you'll be at MJ BizCon and you want to learn more about content marketing, that would be a great panel to sit in on, and I, of course, would look forward to meeting you there. If you still need tickets, you can get 10% off with my code SPKMJB. 
2210. So SPKMJB2210 for 10% off. And really looking forward to all these events. Like I said, huge opportunities, whether you're here in Texas or you're listening and potentially attending the conference in Vegas. There's a lot of opportunity out there to network, to learn. I know I'm going to be a sponge at a lot of these events. I know I'm speaking, but I love being a sponge and sitting in the audience. So like I said, a whirlwind is about to happen. My bed is already calling my name for a low-key Thanksgiving, but I'm truly so grateful and looking forward to all of these opportunities and really hope to maximize my time at each one. So the only thing on my radar other than that, if you're attending events in general, especially MJ Biz, is comfortable shoes. Yes, that's what I said, comfortable shoes. So now moving into a few headlines, I'm going to do these a little bit more rapid fire. Links will be below for you to read the full story on anything that catches your attention. I just thought these things were interesting. And like I I say in previous episodes, I just really want you to just like get a high level understanding of what is going on, kind of get your head out of your own kind of locale and maybe hear about what's going on in other parts of the country or international. So this one is coming to us from MJ Biz Daily, and it is about online marijuana platform Leafly. So Leafly has partnered with delivery service Uber Eats to offer cannabis delivery orders through the Uber Eats app. This is specifically in Canada and they are launching this in Toronto. So Canada does have federal legalization. So kind of keep that in mind. But obviously Uber is a very well-known brand here in the United States as well as internationally. And the fact that they're partnering with Leafly to offer this type of service, I think we're just, we're seeing, you know, these, the surface begin to be scratched on some of these potential collaborations and opportunities. Up next, this one is super interesting because we've been talking about it in previous episodes. The German government published key details of its plan to legalize and regulate adult-use cannabis. The health minister described it as complete cultivation within the country. The blueprint proposal suggests that 2024 is a realistic date for the program to launch, which I also read a note that this will allow for exporting. So if you've listened to some of my previous episodes where we've brought up this topic, the European Union does allow for importing and exporting, but it's for medical, this would be exporting of recreational. So something to very much pay attention to because Germany is kind of the big domino that would kick off a lot more movement in Europe as far as cannabis adoption goes. Up next, this is interesting just to know when we talk about, you know, different sports and professional league trends. I didn't know this though, for the third season in a row, the NBA will not be randomly testing players for marijuana, which is a policy that insiders expect could become permanent. Players can still be screened for probable cause during the 2022-2023 season, but according to sports journalist Ben Dowsett, he said league sources told him random testing for cannabis will continue to be suspended. I guess it was suspended for the first time in the height of the pandemic, and so this is some interesting news that will hopefully continue to erode some of the cannabis drug testing policies as it relates to professional sports. Again, I think there's a lot of, you know, yay in some capacities, nay in other capacities. It's like, uh, what did we talk about last week? The MLB is bringing on their first CBD sponsor, but then potentially, you know, kicking people off the team if they fail a drug test for THC being present in their system. So again, still very early days, but 
nonetheless making some progress. And lastly, a report by Research and Markets has found the international medical cannabis market could be worth over $40 billion by 2028, according to Yahoo News reports. That is up $11.7 billion in 2021, and the growth represents a compound annual growth rate of 19% from 2022 to 2028. So again, just things to pay attention to, not so much immediate opportunity. I think when you look at some of the other headlines, it seems like the market, at least here in America, is kind of stabilizing, which is not increasing with a ton of growth. I think I just read a recent stat from, I think it was MJ Biz posted a stat about the holidays. And instead of seeing like a 15% increase this holiday season, the industry is realistically going to see between a four and 6% increase. And that's just because of inflation is what they're attributing it to and everything else going on. So again, to just put things in parameter, while the industry is growing, the scale at which we grow is really dependent to other economical impacts. So yep, that is that. So again, links will be in the show notes below. And I really do appreciate when you DM me and reach out. I really try to have as much conversations with you guys as you'll have with me. So please get in touch. You can reach out to the podcast at To Be Blunt Pod or me personally at The Shade of Tarabi. I really do appreciate it when you guys reach out and connect and it just makes this a little bit more of a human experience, right? I'm a person, you're a person. You listen to me gab. I just want to be able to connect with the people who are listening on the other side of the headphones or speaker. So thank you for indulging me in that. Now on to today's guest. I am joined by Lulu Sway. Lulu is the co-founder and chief experience officer at On The Rebel, which is the parent company for a collection of curated educational and networking experiences, democratizing information for those interested in the regulated cannabis industry. On the Revel events, known as Revelry, are conferences aimed at fostering an inclusive, collaborative, and flourishing cannabis sector. These regular in-person events with their podcasts, dope people's online community membership, and virtual experiences celebrate the diverse people that have been and are currently building the cannabis industry in the aim of developing its gold standard with opportunities for all. Lulu's background is in experience design and user experience. She has 15 years leading research strategy and design for enterprise software as a service, mobile and touchscreen technologies, and she applies her vast user experience and experience design expertise across verticals in the cannabis industry while championing ways to normalize and destigmatize cannabis and ethnogens. Along with On the Rebel, Lulu serves as president of the Cannabis Media Council, an organization dedicated to destigmatizing and normalizing cannabis using the power of traditional media. She currently splits her time between New York, where On the Rebel is based, and Mexico. And so Y'all know, anytime I get to talk to somebody from one of these emerging states, I'm like, tell me everything. So Lulu indulges and she really gives us a good pulse on what's going on in New York. There's been a couple headlines highlighting some of the challenges that are facing the New York market, especially with these kind of like illicit, illegal, pseudo illegal gray area bodegas popping up. Are they actually legal? What products are they selling? If things aren't fully legal in New York, how are they cultivating and bringing those products to market? Obviously a black hole, a lot of questions that I had that Lulu helps answer. And we also talk about the huge opportunity that the Cannabis Media Council is kicking off in addition 
attention to the work she's doing with On The Revel. And really in her introduction, I found was most inspiring was just what led her on this magical plant journey that, you know, we all kind of find ourselves on and at in different intersections of our life. So really inspiring, really informative, love getting to connect with Lulu and really excited to have you tune in to learn more about her and learn more about what On The Revel is doing, what's going on in New York. So without further ado, please join me by lighting one up and let's welcome Lulu to the show. So with that said, Lulu, I am so excited to have you on the show. Your brand is based in New York City. You have a background in media. You sit on the Cannabis Media Council. There's so many things that we're going to discuss today, but I'd love to hear from your words who you are and how you got into the industry. Um, So Shada, very honored to be on your podcast. I love the fact it's called To Be Blunt. You have a 16-year resident of New York on the show right now, so we're definitely going to be blunt and to the point. So um, my background with cannabis actually started when I landed in the United States. So I'm actually a first-generation immigrant from northern China. We ended up in Eugene, Oregon. And the people that took care of us that, you know, taught my parents English, that babysat me, that just, you know, helped us acclimate, were actually cannabis cultivators. So legacy growers, I was raised by them. You know, it was also a time where, I don't know if you've been to Oregon, um, Eugene, it's his own little, you know, hippie utopia. Um, so there's a lot of people coming back from the ashrams in India for yoga. So, you know, I was kind of raised by cannabis cultivators, probably a couple of folks that were, you know, at the beginning of, you know, doing some amazing yoga things, energy healers, crystal healers. And um, so it was a very interesting uh, way to grow up. A lot of the things that I ran away from as soon as I turned 18 is now very much in, you know, coming into the mainstream. The prodigal daughter returned back into the regulated cannabis scene um, in Washington State in in 2015 with a group called Boot Sciences. So they are a extraction, post-processing and processing experts uh, with machine. So I got to go with them to different markets as they were doing installs and really get to see what was happening in different markets. So that was an amazing learning opportunity. Um, as I was doing that, I realized, you know, there wasn't a lot of people of color that were, you know, showcased or highlighted in and uh, conferences or in, in any type of like write-ups. So I met my co-founder for On the Rebel, Jacoby Holland, in uh, New York City. So I've been 16 years in New York, but I was, you know, uh, raised in Oregon, went to school in Washington, lived 10 years in San Francisco, six years in LA, and literally been bi-coastal with New York, East Coast, West Coast for 16 years. So it was really great to meet a man, a Black man, who was talking about a cannabis on the supply chain side that wasn't full of shit. So, you know, back in 2016, there was a lot of conversations about advocacy, fundraising, and just a lot of people just talking about things without really having any plant-touching experience. And that's why I, I, I lots of respect to you. You know, you're going through, you know, trying to change hearts and minds in Texas but the fact that you have your own brand, the fact that you have your own store, you know, speaks volumes because you know how hard it is. And, you know, you have to have, you know, you have to be that octopus with different hands and different things to like make this happen. So mad props to you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we started On the Revel in 2016 as a way to really bring transparent information about opportunities in legal cannabis. We wanted to highlight uh, women and professionals of color that were meeting along the way that were always in the background and we wanted to put them in the foreground. And we just really wanted to just 
we knew New York was going to be a big market. So we put all of our eggs in one basket and really wanted to highlight and introduce um, New Yorkers who are just natural entrepreneurs. It's, it's, you know, New York City is, I always say, is a land of type A personalities that always know best. <laughs> so it's been really fruitful. We've been able to build a really beautiful community. And as New York is coming online, you know, both Jacoby and I are going for a license. So, you know, we're trying to provide as much information that we're learning, all the resources that we have and the good people that we met along the way to um, help cannabis entrepreneurs succeed. What a web of a journey you've got to live from your experience growing up in Oregon and now coming into the East Coast and just seeing this industry unfold in so many different levels. I am just so excited to get to talk to you because this podcast to me is all about learning and all about sharing. And so the best thing we can do is be a listener and open our hearts and minds to other people's perspectives, experiences, and then take that information and try to do something good with it, right? And so you represent a state that is like right on the cusp of opening the market up. And so I would love to start there just dissecting, especially for people who may not know what's going on in New York. I think the headlines are obviously very misleading. It's like, oh, New York legalizes. But the reality of like when the timeline actually opens up, you know, what are kind of the licensing opportunities? I know just from other states, you know, some let you home grow, some don't let you home grow. Some give, you know, caregiver opportunities, social equity opportunities. So what is New York kind of outlined from a licensing perspective? What is the path for legalization in the state and the rollout then of the program from your perspective and your experience? Oh, okay. So let me let me try my best to and, and you know, include all of those things. It was really interesting. Was at Hall of Flowers last week, and you know, even with people in the industry in California, there were so many rumors and kind of untruths flying around. So let me just set the record straight: there is no standard licenses out yet. We don't even have regs. The only two conditional licenses we have are one, the cultivation, conditional cultivation license, which um, our friend Alan Gandelman really helped spearhead the way. He is a farmer and really wanted to make sure that we had flour ready. So first year that we actually have THC plants being harvested. So that started, I believe, in the spring. So maybe April, May. And then the only other license that we have out that the application just closed September 25th is the card license, which is conditional license for retail. And that is only available for folks that have had a, that they themselves or their immediate family has had an arrest or a conviction for cannabis in the state of New York. So I just want to make that clear. Um, we don't have any available licenses. So, you know, if you're coming to New York and you're buying, you know, weed, unless it's from a medical store, you're buying it on the gray market. And I call that gray market also, let me just kind of, we have a difference between legacy and in, in my world, in our community. Legacy are people that have been doing this in New York because they had to out of survival. They, these are opportunities that they had to, to survive in the projects in very low income areas and, you know, very high war on drug impacted areas. So they've been in the game for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, five years. Now we have the gray market, which pretty much launched, I think probably a year, year and a half ago with Upstart. These are folks that have not been part of the car community. These are folks that have 
seen dollar sign. And this is a smash and grab that they are just jumping into at the detriment, I think, of what we've been trying to do with the um, with the OCM, which is the Office of Cannabis Management. So, you know, I just really believe that our Office of Cannabis Management, they're trying. You know, people are complaining that it it's, you know, our, our, it's taking too long. Like, I agree, you know, timeline is important. But also consideration and thoughtfulness and, you know, trying to be as um, impactful takes time. So I do have faith in our Office of Cannabis Management and the folks that are part of it. But it is New York. You know, it's a very large state in terms of population. I think it's still the center of the world in terms of culture. Um, so it's going to take time. So regulations may come out at the end of the year, may come out at the beginning of the year. So we're just waiting and prepping and making sure that we have a good application writer, making sure that we have great lawyers, making sure that the real estate um, looks good. And we have a friendly owner of real estate that wants to work with us. Um, And, you know, also trying to think outside of the box um, with New York, because how are we going to compete with all of these, you know, gray market dispensaries that are already there? So again, you know, I, I do have faith that there's going to be some amazing brands, amazing stores, amazing experiences, amazing products that come out of New York, um, which is waiting. You have a very real perspective, which I resonate with because it's rooted in reality and it's not that, oh, you know, the regulators are bad or our program is, you know, slow or taking too long or this, that and the other. It's just like this is the reality. And like you said, it's a big state. There's a lot of considerations. And I think New York is probably in a position on both sides, right, of trying to push towards getting it going so people can operate and hopefully they can clean up some of the gray area that is operating. But also, I'm sure looking at states like California, which you have experience coming from as well, there's a lot of things that are going wrong in the California cannabis market. As successful as, you know, the perception of of grandeur is, there's regulations and policies that are not helpful to the longevity and the success. And so I think it's an interesting position that New York is sitting in. And I think most people probably with the, you know, to the negative effect of social media, social media has painted almost a Wait, is legal in New York now. You can go to bodegas. The bodegas are selling cannabis mm-hmm. and people are looking the other way. I shouldn't say people. The lawmakers are looking the other way. They're not enforcing. And I'm curious to hear kind of your perspective. And I did appreciate your discernment between the legacy and the gray and more of the opportunist, because I do think people kind of lump it all in together and they don't really understand who's operating what. And that was just even helpful for me to clarify and kind of like reframe it and understand like the people who have been operating is different than the people who are being opportunists with things. But with that said, seeing how rampant is maybe the word I'll use, it has become in New York. I mean, I saw a recent article, obviously most people have heard about it, where those weed, you know, mobiles were getting kicked out of Times Square. People are like, oh, look, New York's like finally coming after these operators. And my takeaway was it wasn't actually the illegal nature of it. It was something else due to just like their permitting for like having their moving vehicle on the street. Right. And so I just love some clarification from you and kind of like what is the state doing to address this gray market in lieu of people who are operators like yourself? I'm sure all the people who you invite and and create content and create events and create community with, like there's good actors who are waiting for licensing to open up. They want to take the right step. And then here's all these, you know, shlomos who are just firing off 
whatever they can. And and it's just crazy. I see products with California labels on them being sold oh, at yeah. legitimate, you know, businesses. And so again, just from your perspective, kind of like zooming in on that gray market, what's being done about it? What, like, how are these people getting away with this? And how does that affect a good operator like yourself trying to do it the right way? So I think, and this again, this is my personal opinion, right? So we have a new governor, we have a new mayor, and with that comes a new chief of police or commissioner. We've got a lot of new people in the space in New York. So I think, I think a lot of it is just wait and see. You know, I think New York has always been um, entrepreneurship, right? So for me, the biggest issue I think I have with all of this is just safety, right? Like, you know how it is in Texas. You are trying to change hearts and minds. You're trying to educate people. And now when we have all this product that we don't know has been tested, in most cases, these are products that probably failed um, testing in other markets that fell out of the seed to sell program and into our, our market, you know, like that happens. So for me, you know, and especially coming from the extraction side of the house, you never know what those products have been extracted with. So for me, like, that's very important. You know, my, my group was very much, are very much into um, extracting with the benzos. So not the benzos, the, the butane and hexane, not butane and, oh my gosh, can we, can we roll that part out? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's not, it's not the benzos. Hold on one second. Yeah, look uh, it up. Uh, Get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way though. I'm like, oh, I should know the word to this, but it's space me. It's, it's, I'll, we'll blame it on the, oh, the life. I, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go back. Yeah. So, you know, the group that I worked with very much, you know, extracted with hydrocarbons. So, you know, so that's but butane and things like that. So if you're not doing it correctly, it, it, it's, it's not the best thing to be, you know, smoking. So for me, a lot of it is, you know, when products are getting into the hands of consumers and potentially kids, there needs to be a little bit of real regulation around safety and, you know, what is being consumed. So my biggest concern is just with safety and education as these products are coming on. My friend is part of NYPD and she was telling me that for the past probably like two or three years, They've been getting notes to de-escalate and really not focus on any type of like, you know, if people are smoking on, on the street, like things like that. Now, do I say that's across the board in different neighborhoods? I sure. can't say that's being adopted, but at least there's memos of expected action that have been going out. And as far as I know, there hasn't been really any, any directive in terms of closing any of those you know, t dispensaries, those illegal dispensaries or the cars or the vans. So, you know, I, one thing that we are trying to do actively with On the Rebel is provide information for legacy operators who might be interested in crossing over to, to the legal regulated industry. So, you know, we're not telling people what to do, right? We're not saying you have to do this. Everyone needs to make their own, you know, opinion about how they want to enter the space if they want to enter the space. It's not easy. You know, I, you know, a lot of people, I had a conversation with someone who was like, oh, yeah, I really want to, you know, open up a store. I was, you know, I was very successful and exited this, you know, type of health, you know, clinic. And, you know, I expect to like exit within two years. And I was like, let me just kill that dream right now and let you know, like, cannabis is a long play. 
it's going to probably take at least a year for the the cultivators to really figure out what type of genetics grow well in our climate. You know, just like wine, you can't take the the vine from one area and plant it in another terroir and expect it to flourish. So it's going to take a little bit of time to figure out, you know, which genetics do best in our climate, in our region. Um, it's going to take a while for stores to figure out who their consumers are. So, you know, it, it, if you want to come to this, you're going to have to have passion. You're going to have to patience. Um, so just setting expectations out there, you know, it's probably like the killer of dreams right now, but, um, but um, it's not easy. The, the only advice I have is surround yourself with good people who are able to be honest with you through good times, through bad times. You know, all information is important. So whatever partners that you have, make sure they're able to handle the truth. Make sure you're able to talk to them about things and do your due diligence, whether you're an investor, whether you're ancillary, trying to do, you know, find a business partner whether you're an, an, you know, not touching operator, do your due diligence, you know, check the background, check if there's lawsuits that they're involved with, check their credit, also check if any, there's any debts that they have, like make sure to do that. I see so many times people get so excited. They need someone. I, myself, I'm only saying these things because I've been royally fucked so many times and lost money with partners. Not the ones that I'm working with currently, but, you know, I was wowed by someone's resume. I was wowed by, you know, how senior they were with many things. This is not a place for someone to come in and supervise, right? Like we're in, I'd say toddler, you know, our industry is a toddler. 100%. You need to have active aunties and uncles who are trying to, you know, help that toddler, grow that toddler, make sure the toddler doesn't kill itself. You know, you need these guardrails in place. It is not a teenager where you can let them, you know, take the car out yet. It's not a teenager where you can trust them to be at home. Like you cannot have inactive people partnering with you to sit there because this is a roll up your sleeves, get things done, ups and downs, roller coaster ride. And if anyone is telling you anything else, they're blowing smoke up your ass. That needs to be like the retweet of the episode. It is I mean, you said, you know, you're not probably like the most liked person. I, I feel like that's my role, unfortunately, or fortunately, I sit in it very comfortably. I think you have to say the truth and people don't obviously like to hear the truth, but it comes with the learned experiences. And I love that you brought that up about just like the, the ooh, ahs of people who are overpromising saying, oh, we're going to get you this for your brand. And oh, I can do that for your brand. I can't even count how many events I go to. And I feel like I've got a pretty good like bullshit detector just like in life in general. And it's become like even more heightened in this industry. People are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the best supply. Like you, you don't know with anybody else. Just work with me. I got you. And you come to find out that person is, yes, blowing smoke up your ass, doesn't really know shit. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't just believe that person. But for all of the me's who don't believe them, there's at least a dozen who do. And I feel bad for right. those people getting entangled in bad business deals because they see green dollar signs in their eyes. I get it. It's exciting. People want to be in cannabis. It's very opportunistic. But I think you you mentioned something else that really weighs on my heart a lot, which is the consumer safety aspect of it. And when you are existing in these unregulated scenarios, very similar to New York is, yes, Texas. Like We see people who are selling products. I have best friends, girlfriends who... I was just telling someone this story last night. I was like, my friend, one of my dearest friends to this day, 
actually not to this day, I should say up until recently, she's been buying off the street. And I'm like, dude, I know where you can get better quality stuff. I can show you how to make your own. Like, don't buy edibles from the streets. And she's showing me the packaging and they've got California logos on them and labels. And that's an interesting point you brought up about maybe those products are the rejects of their state, which is why they're somehow ending up in this illicit market. And that's even more scary, right? It's not just an illegal product that you don't know necessarily what's the quantity or of the quality of the ingredients. It's now maybe it's even more concerning of the quality of those ingredients. And so I think those are very accurate points that people need to really resonate with and be consciously aware of as they navigate the industry. So kind of with that, I want to turn to On The Revel and just understand, I mean, you mentioned 2016 you founded the company. So obviously cannabis was not I don't know what medical, like how long medical has been around in New York necessarily, but like 2016, we're in 2022, New York, what, it was 2020, 2021, New York legalized on paper. So on paper, we legalized last year, I believe. Don't get me. I know, but it's like, we should know, but I don't know. (laughs) But I feel like COVID changed dates. So It did, 100%. You get a pass. (laughs) Um, But with that... It's just the 2016 to 2021, let's say, what what had you been doing? What was On The Revel focusing on? And how has that changed and transitioned? And then kind of like a secondary point to that, you've already brought it up, but just from reading some of your literature and your positioning statements, it seems like you guys really want to empower the people who come from legacy, not to force them into the legal regulated side, but to kind of show them, hey, this is how you could do it. These are resources. This is a platform. This is a community to kind of work with. And so I'm just curious to understand the 2016 to present, kind of what was the goal? What was the purpose? How has that changed over the years? And how has that also helped influence the people that you're working with? Because like, 2016, maybe people are like, no, I'm going to still do, you know, the illicit side of things versus now there's like really the question of should I go legal or not? Yeah. So Jacoby and I actually have full time jobs. We actually are product designers um, in different industries. So, you know, at OK, I love that, though. <laughs> <laughs> so on the Revel is actually a um, a project, our passion project. It's something that we really believed in because. When so Jacoby comes from the Colorado market, came from Mindful, which is one of the first vertically integrated operators in Colorado. So when we met, we had both actually had plant touching experience from the supply chain side, and we just got, kept on hearing like all this bullshit from people talking about their expertise or you know this about cultivation, that about extraction, and it. And and it was the first time, like I said, that I actually met someone of color because back then, I mean, it's still predominantly very white in cannabis. But back then it was like, you know, finding Jacoby was like literally finding a needle in a haystack in a lot of ways. So also back then, a, a lot of information was kind of kept close to people's chest, you know, like trying to learn and trying to access. It was very difficult. You know, thank goodness. Root Sciences, I knew them from college and they welcomed me back into um, the regulated world and you know, asked me to like just stay and, and see if I wanted to learn anything. So that was amazing to, to have that front row access into what was happening um, as markets were coming online. But what we're trying to do is really, like I said, we want to present information and good people 
to our community. Um, we want to make sure that things that were held close to the chest in terms of being able um, to access investors, being able to access resources, like all of the service providers that need from lawyers to architects to tax accountants to X, Y, and Z across the board, we we built a pretty good reputation in, in New York because we have a we have a um, no fucks rule. So if someone says, I don't fuck with them, we don't fuck with them. And in order for us, and we're very inclusive, so don't get me wrong. Um, we believe that there's good people in every room, right? We're creating space, a bigger room where all the good people can come in. So we don't fuck with you if we know that you are a predator and have kind of fucked over someone that we've worked with or, you know, we're always two degrees away. We, we won't fuck with you if we know that you have no experience and you're trying to flat yourself as an expert. We won't fuck with you if you're just dishonest. You know, like there's no problem if you have no experience. There's no problem if you're new to this. Just be humble enough to say, I'm new. I don't know. Can you help me? You know, yeah. and we'll, we'll be there. Just, just be a good person. And I just want to call out that the cannabis industry is very small. You know, it's a big, it seems like it's very big, but it's very, very small. How you act, how you deal, how you conduct yourself, it spreads very, very, very quickly. So don't be a dick. If you're not a dick, we'll work with you. If you're going to be a dick, we don't want to have anything to do with you because things happen so fast. You don't want to waste your time trying to work on something that doesn't benefit anything that you're doing or benefits your community. Quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. Our rule is, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. The whole purpose of all of this is that everybody eats. Everybody has an opportunity to participate if they want to. Everybody has access to information that should be readily available. And if you want to participate, you work with people where the whole goal is everyone eats together. Because you're going to cry together a lot sometimes, but you have to be able to laugh and work through these hard times, which will come, you know? And so On the Rebel was was formulated to really showcase the people that we met along our path in cannabis that were like, thank you for helping or thank you for fixing your dope, you know, like, thank you for supporting. And that's how it always is. You know, you lift the people and elevate the people that have helped you. And we want to present those people into our community as folks that they should be working with. It's so important to like, kind of lead the way I think when I got into the industry, I didn't intend to necessarily be a leader. I, I think the industry is so new. Like you said, we're in toddler phase. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh, I'm an expert at this. And and to your point, it's like, be humble and come to the table hungry and and like just show up and roll your sleeves up and like, let's see what we can build. But I think there's just so much we don't know. And people do get burned and they get bad advice and they get connected to, you know, malicious people with bad intentions. And so we need people to kind of step up and to start shaping the path that we're trying to walk along and provide connection to 
good operators to these resources to even just like, I always say it. And so I feel like my listeners know this line from me, but like misery loves company. And it is sometimes very miserable. I mean, the highs are high, the lows are low, and you need to have people that you can kind of be real with. And I think that that is unfortunately sometimes missing, especially in some of these newer emerging markets. I mean, I know in Austin, no, we don't have full like marijuana legalization, but just the hemp side of the industry. I mean, those first years, it was a little bit like everybody for themselves, like nobody really communicated, nobody, you know, sat down and had conversations together. And over the past four years, that certainly evolved. And you can start to see very similarly to what you're describing, you know, there's people that you're like, oh, you've burned my friends. Like, I'm not going to do business with you. Maybe I'm not going to be an asshole to you. I'm not going to go out of my way, though, to invite you to events or to sit by you if I see you at a conference, you know? And so it's it's not rude or negative. It's just the reality and the industry is just so new. Like, how do you handle when there are sometimes these, you know, bad operators in lieu of not having actual regulation? Like, it's crazy. Obviously, New York they're kind of like, I don't know how to handle all these operators that are doing the gray zone stuff. And I'm sure the people who have good intention are like, do something about it so that the good operators can have a better pathway. But it's also super complex. And it's obviously not as easy to, you know, kind of address it. So I wanted to bring up too. you have a role with the Cannabis Media Council. I'd love to hear what the Cannabis Media Council is, what its role in the industry is, I know you have a background just coming from a lot of media and content as well, design. So marketing is a huge component of brand success in the market of building, you know, the brand and using the media is our megaphone. And before I get into what you're going to share, just like my observation two cents, you know, I come from a media background as well. And it's remarkable. All my non-cannabis friends are just like, oh yeah, why don't you just like go advertise on this website? Or like, why don't you just like go take out this ad here? Oh, you can't just like link your your website to Facebook Marketplace and sell? I'm like, no, we cannot do those things. <laughs> and it's obviously a lot more complicated than that. But I know that there have been strides being made. You are starting to see more advertising platforms open up. And so I just think Media is such a powerful tool from press to advertising to marketing. And so I'm just curious to learn a little bit more about your involvement with the Cannabis Media Council and and what that really entails from a marketing perspective. Sure, I'd love to talk about that. We have a, we made a big announcement last week, but I just want to preface. Um, so Joy Sonali from Big Rock and Sonoma, Sonoma Hills Farm and Amy Dennison, um, she has, uh, she's been, Many, many years, she was uh, head of marketing for Cura Leaf in New York. And then she went on her way to create her own company called Fino as an expert in advertising and marketing for cannab- cannabinoid brands. They were per- they've been percolating on this, this notion that, you know, we as an industry really need standards for being able to move forward for, uh, for being responsible in terms of advertising and marketing. And two, we don't have a, a unified voice. You know, we've seen individual brands doing big campaigns, but we've never really seen the entire industry doing a campaign like, you know, Got Milk did for, for the dairy industry. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, we think it's time to um, start normalizing and getting out of the echo chamber. 
you know, we are extremely grateful for um, media companies like yourself um, and other ones that have been cannabis focused, because without that, we never would even have any type of presence. But we, our announcement last week is that with a partnership with Hearst Media, um, so we're going to be able to allow for cannabis marketing and advertising across all of their channels. And Hearst Media, I, I believe, is the fourth largest uh, media conglomerate in the world. They span from magazines like Elle and Esquire to different newspapers and, and journals, as well as radio and TV. So that is huge. We are, as the Cannabis Media Council, we are a trade organization. We are really trying to create national campaigns that uplift the entire industry, irrespective of brand or vertical that you're in. Um, so uh, we're working on a campaign right now to be probably launched Q4, maybe Q1, um, which we're very excited about. So if you are interested in being part of our organization, please reach out to hi, that's H-I at CannabisMediaCouncil.com. And, you know, I'd love to, um, Jaden, love to see if, you know, to be blunt would be interested in, in you know, becoming one of our members right now. We're, um, we're talking to everybody and, and figuring out, like, you know, what part would you like to play? Um, what things are you looking for? You know, we're again, you know, we're still building the airplane. But what's really important is making sure that we have offerings and information and that is helpful and impactful for all of our members. No, that is so helpful and cool to hear. I think I talk a lot about different trade organizations. They all have kind of different places. Obviously, there's so much that is important in this industry. And so one, it's like from a strengths and skills level, like what do you gravitate towards? It's like, where can you make the most impact? And so I love being able to highlight different organizations for people who like, oh, they perk up, like they love media. Like I absolutely want to have that conversation with you guys because I think that it is so empowering to be able to like you said, have a unified approach, a unified voice on things. But then the flip side of that too is just there's so much good that can obviously be done when we get aligned with different groups that from a community perspective, from an empowerment perspective, I mean, I was telling you before we started recording, you know, the podcast for me has been that, you know, dose of getting to build a community and being able to just like realize that I'm not in this alone. And there are yeah. good people who want to help me succeed, who want to help the industry succeed. And there is a lot of opinions and perspectives, but you shouldn't shy away from opinions and perspectives. You should embrace them and try to figure out how you can like lean in and make an impact. So that's very cool to hear about Hearst Media, especially though, because I mean, you said it, like they're obviously a major controller of the way that news and information gets out there. And it is really sad to see that cannabis is so demonized but that they're opening it up. And so I wanted to clarify a little bit too. I mean, knowing that you're the Cannabis Media Council, my brain always goes a little bit too, like because of hemp's federal status, I think people assume like hemp has an easier time with media than like, let's say marijuana, but they don't, right? They both have difficulties. Yeah. But because this is like a push from the Cannabis Media Council with Hearst, is this going to be specifically like benefiting these marijuana brands? to have opportunities in their publications, their radio shows, take out advertisements, things like that? Or is it like all cannabis? Because I've seen hemp getting a little bit more flexibility. I don't want to say it's like fully there yet. So this obviously is like really impactful for the cannabis industry at large. But really looking at the marijuana industry where you're even more regulated, I feel sometimes of like what platforms you can use and what you can say. And so I'm just curious, like what 
like, are there parameters? Are they like, you can, you can say this, but you can't say that. Or is it kind of, we're, we're learning, right? So we're creating our (laughs) own campaign to launch. So we know that, you know, we're very data centric, you know, we'll be, you know, creating some type of debrief or some type of report or some type of standards for, you know, our industry brands and, and ancillary. Um, We also want to create expectations to help other media companies and other, you know, periodicals, journals, TV. We want to also create kind of a guideline on how we can, how they can start welcoming cannabis. I mean, it's going to be huge. I mean, we've kind of foresaw this. There's going to be federal legalization that happens at some point, especially with Biden's announcement last week and his, you know, the election coming up. I think there's going to be some pretty fast acting things that happen. Again, my opinion. I don't know, um, just my observation, but I think we want to be that organization that kind of helps with uh, communicating between all the worlds. I'm actually, you know, I haven't done that much in media. We do have a lot of call on the rebel for the past six years, but um, my, my background is in user experience design and, you know, always trying to release something, learn from, um, make it better, release, you know, something new, learn better. So with the the campaign that we're launching, you know, we're following some of the same methodologies is, you know, let's do this and see what happens, learn from it, you know, provide information, provide access, make it better, try to push for more things. But right now our campaign, Allison Disney from Receptor Brands and her team have created a really amazing campaign that we're really excited to activate. So also, if folks are interested, you know, we are taking donations, which are tax deductible. A hundred percent of all of these donations are going towards uh, making this campaign happen. So we're, we're pretty excited. All of this, again, like another labor of love. This, everyone has been working really pro bono to make sure that we have something excellent that comes out. And I'm really, really excited for the world to see. I think this campaign that Allison and Receptors created can 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 do circles around other industry campaigns. Um, so we're super stoked to release this. Yeah, shout out to Allison. I had her on the podcast a couple months ago. So she's definitely a great person to learn from. And it's cool to hear that you've been connected and she's in your corner helping champion this as well. And just kind of on that note, I mean, you mentioned Biden's announcement, not to get into you know the specifics of it, but I did see in his series of tweets, he brought up, you know, we're going to need like help marketing it. Like it's not just going to be a free for all, right? And so- to your point of, you know, you wanting to be the leader that potentially has the opportunity to be like, oh, look, here's an organization. They really care about this topic. They care about this conversation. How can we work together? And I think that's what we really need to prepare ourselves for. I'm just a little stuck on the, when is that going to happen? Right. But it's at the same time, like, you know, we've got to be prepared. You got to kind of keep championing it. I feel like in Texas, the joke is, you know, are we going to get legalization next year? We have our legislative session. I'm like, no, it's probably not coming next year. And I'm a really big believer you can't have rec until you have medical. And it's not to say that medical and rec can't come like right after each other. But Texas has a very baby, baby, baby medical program. And so to me, I'm like, the state's not going to legalize until they have a better medical program. So the year that I see better medical, then I can start projecting when recreation comes. But there's just so many brands who I don't know if they just like don't pay attention to how politics or how history is done, but they're like, we're getting legalization next year. And I'm like, I would love that. 
it's probably not happening, but we'll see what happens when we get there. So it's a little bit, you know, you kind of got to hang on even to your point earlier, just like being in the industry in general, you have to be somebody who is like ready to hang on. And so we're all just hanging on, trying to step up and and make an impact where we can. And so I think it's really cool to hear about the campaign. I can't wait to see the campaign, especially if it's like a you know, got milk kind of like esque focus. I don't know if it's going to end up on, you know, Wheaties boxes or, or milk <laughs> cartons or things like that. What's like the equivalent today in like 2022, but I'm sure it's going to be very impactful and very powerful and just like continuing to champion that voice because when you look at the data, it's remarkable. Like obviously the majority of Americans, whether they consume or not, like they're, they want access to it. So it's like, let us have it. Yeah, I think I understand the government. I think wants I saw. To... I think I saw an infographic that there's only seven states now left that don't have a medical or recreational program. So I was like, wow, that happened real fast, you know. So, um, so I think, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's kind of like a waiting game, and you know, you just have to be nimble and patient. You know, it's yeah. like hurry up and wait, and you know, we'll we'll. We'll see what happens and we'll, you know, hopefully be responsive and not yeah. reactive. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to New York and, and federal and, and um, hopefully, you know, some good things will happen out of full. I'm right there with you to kind of like lead into that on New York. I know you mentioned in the beginning that you are at your beginning or you're in the midst, I'm sure, of the application process. You talked about the type of licensing that's available Kind of like, what is the future look like for you, whether it's with, I don't know if the license that you're going after is going to be under the same brand name as On The Revel, but like, what does the next step look like for you? What is the reality of like operating in New York from a marketing perspective? Like, and I'm sure a lot of this is personal opinion because it's obviously not like out there in the world. Like you just don't know what's the reality of what's going to happen. But the speculation of, you already have a brand in the state. You're so ingrained in New York's cannabis politics. You also have this background coming from a media perspective, a design UX ex- experience perspective as well. So understanding like what consumers want to engage with. What is kind of like the next step for you and what do you hope to kind of happen from a state perspective? So I'm actually going for a retail license. So one thing I also want to, and and our first store is going to be in Brooklyn. So I've been in Prospect Heights for about 16 years. I also want to say that the way that the law is written right now is when you're tied to one person's cap table, you're tied to that license. So as it stands, I don't know if there's going to be amendments, but you cannot, for example, I cannot be on another license type. So if I open a retail store, I cannot be part of manufacturing or cultivation. There is a uh, there is another license. We have nine license types. There is one which is almost like a mini vertical that you could do, but there's a lot of unknowns still around if you can only sell your, your brands or if you can sell other brands. So, you know, do you want to be a boutique, sell your, grow your own, process your own, and then sell your own? I don't know if they're going to allow for other brands in there. But I'm going for, with uh, my business partner, Kim Bond, we're going to go for retail. And you are allowed at three stores right now. So also, audience, if you are listening to people try to pitch you multiple licenses or investing in multiple different types of licenses, you are 
supposed to marry only license. You cannot be uh, polyamorous with your license investments or participation as an operator. So I just want to throw that out there because I heard a lot of really crazy things um, at both MJM Pact and all the flowers. So just I'm sure setting the record straight on that part as of right now. No, that's helpful to understand. And that's the kind of information that I find so valuable and helpful. And so thank you for sharing it because it is just, people just don't know. I mean, obviously people don't know in other markets, looking at your market, I'm sure people in your own state don't know, which is where On The Revel provides so much value of like, this is how it's going. It could change tomorrow, yes, but today this is what the reality of the situation is. And so that's crazy to me because just, yeah, like some states obviously instigate vertical integration. It sounds like New York is kind of like, no, we don't want vertical integration, which maybe can benefit the small operators more because they can't grow without partnering with someone else. So I think there's going to have to be some creativity there, but I'm excited to continue to champion what you guys are doing and and stay a fan and and just see what continues to unfold in New York. So I really appreciate you sharing everything with us today on the podcast. Well, thank you, Shada, for um, having your podcast. I know, you know, Texas is is hard to move and, you know, mad respect for you for, for you know, leading the charge to make sure that, um, you know, Texas comes online, you know, gracefully and intentionally as much as possible. So appreciate you and, and you know, love to learn how I can support you and what you're trying to do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I can't wait for everybody to tune into this episode and to learn from all the insight that you shared and definitely make sure to check out On The Revel. They do have a lot of really amazing content that is super relevant to absorb whether you're in New York or not. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi. 